section two of the national geographic magazine volume ten january eighteen ninety nine this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. read by phil schempf the stikeen river in eighteen ninety eight part two by eliza ruhama skidmore from orlebar glacier on to the little canyon the stikeen presents its most splendid panorama on either hand the scenery is on such a scale and of such magnificence with hardly an interval of ordinary or commonplace mountain scenery that one loses all measure of comparison and hardly appreciates to the full the unusual grandeur of his surroundings there are glaciers everywhere and of every type hanging on the mountainside plunging down ravines and through gaps curving around spurs fretting and pricking through the surface of vast snowfields and everywhere debouching toward the river's edge in spreading fans of boulders and muddy ice one can count a dozen great glaciers at once from a certain point of view and easily accepts dr john muir's count of one hundred glaciers seen from his canoe and of three hundred glaciers seen by climbs and tramps ashore all draining directly into the stikine there is a feast and almost a surfeit of glaciers in the next fifty miles the dirt or mud glacier greatest of all being almost the replica of the orlebar glacier save that it is a dirt-covered dark brown mass instead of a dirty white one the dirt glacier remains longer in view by the serpentine windings of the river than any one object save the eagle crag a great detached snow-striped peak with a triple sharply dentated crown that one sees ahead to right and left in foreground background full front and profile all day long this peak and the earth-covered glacier omnipresent appearing and reappearing from new points of view to the utter confusion of one's compass and topographical ideas there was a superb view too of kate's needle over forested points and river foregrounds as its dark summit pricked sharply through snowfields to the very sky there is one superb glacier just above the dirt glacier whose neve is held in a broad amphitheatre whose retaining walls are buttressed on the further side by the finest arrangement of peaks and palisades seen anywhere along the stikeen and in some far recesses near there hides that mysterious flood glacier which several times each season breaks away a natural dam and sends a torrent of muddy water roaring out to the river sensibly raising its level for a time we had met signs of the recent rush of klondike travel all along the stikeen banks rows of cordwood neatly piled showed as melancholy reminders of abandoned camps and hopes and ventures shrewd klondikers who went up on the snow cut wood diligently counting upon quick returns for their labor when the fleet of river steamers and the campers in small boats should come in the spring all the canadian pacific boats burned coal and kept their extra supplies on anchored boats along the river 
the hudson's bay company had gangs of chinese cutting cordwood for their boats long before the ice moved and the independent prospectors in canoes were few signs of wood and water wood for sale and the laconic four dollars fifty cents per cord or only four dollars met one along the banks monuments of wasted energy with pitiful epitaphs wherever the valley broadened and the river ran its most serpentine course there were acres of bleached logs and tree roots stranded on bars and banks enough fuel gone to waste to supply all the river boats and the people of a great city and each day the remorseless current cut further into some wooded bank and sent other tall cottonwoods to snags and driftwood one longed to make a grand bonfire of these unsightly skeletons strewing every bar but the two snag boats at work on the river had too much real and necessary work to do in some stretches the bank seemed to be upholding groves of elms where the river had washed away the front ranks of cottonwoods and brought to view the tall elm trees that had had to struggle upward in the crowded forest without lower branches spreading out in great arching crowns that had all the grace of new england elms there were novelties in navigation on board the ogilvy that gave great interest to the stikine trip as the swift water captain sought channels and fought the stiff currents that charged around bends and combed against the bows of the river boat as if she were at sea he read the water by a dozen signs even the different wheezes groans and panting of the engine declaring the depth of water to his trained ear and the swell rolling away at either side another sign telling the depth as certainly as a lead plummet at each riffle he steered into the midst of the foam where the current ran strongest and in some of these places where the river raced in a narrow channel the water stood higher in midstream than at either bank and the boat rode high on the turtle-back flood just below the dreaded little canyon the ogilvy crept up beside the anchored coal boat and took on more fuel we could look straight up the quarter-mile rock flume whose sides rise perpendicularly for less than one hundred feet and then slope away into wooded foothills far above which towers the great skyline of the sawback range the continental divide a white disc shot out from a tree branch overhanging the canyon's mouth as signal to our boat that the way was clear to ascend the reverse of the disc showing a black warning to any boat at the upper end that it must not enter since two boats cannot pass in that narrow cut where the broad river is compressed and turned on edge the incline of foaming water between jagged rock walls that approach within sixty and one hundred feet of each other was running with a mild current only a little over ten miles an hour that day and with full steam and forced draught our boat was able to climb the hill of running water in thirteen minutes in flood times steamers were forced to wait for the fury to subside and to line up by reeling in on the capstan wire cables fastened to the largest trees ashore there was a deafening roar from the boilers and the boat shook as if all its upper works would soon be loosened while it worked its way upward dipping careening quivering in all its solid frame and shipping waves at the bows and there was more personal excitement and tension in this struggle with the stikine's fury 
than we had had any idea of until we came out to wider and slower reaches and tied up for the night we were then over the range east of the mountain across the divide and there was a great difference in the character of the country there were grassy benches and hills stretches of burned forests and every sign of a scorching dry interior climate the Kluchman's canyon named because the indian canoe man exhausted with his day of frantic tracking and paddling through the little canyon leaves this bit of navigation to his kluchman or squaw was only a stiff mill race of water running for one or two hundred yards between green banks we easily surmounted its slope and turning sharply where a bald cliff met the flood speedily climbed the big riffle of the stikine only a stretch of dashing rapids over a stony bed green benches or terraces along the river bank open and grassy stretches with towering peaks in the background gave one the idea of approaching civilization again and the group of log houses and buildings at hudson's bay flats or shakesville seemed quite in keeping a great sign on the banks of Kaziar central railway marked the terminal or initial point of that enterprise the great trunk road whose fortunes were then balancing whether to be or not to be two miles beyond glenora showed a row of log houses along the river bank with innumerable tents beyond and a most discouraged homesick-looking company of men straggled to the mud bank to watch the tying up every man with both hands pocketed the postmaster carried his mail-bags ashore the mounted police watched the landing and stowing far above the water-line of the dressed lumber and fittings for the gold commissioner's ready-made house and glenora subsided into the stagnation of a rainy sunday in a mining camp whence the boom had twice fled glenora the lively camp of so long ago had been galvanized to a far livelier condition in the spring of eighteen ninety eight to fall away again as the difficulties of the long boggy teslin trail became known and as the chances for wagon road and railway building lessened the army of the disappointed the faint-hearted and also the sturdy ones bent on trying other trails from points further up the coast had all gone from glenora and there remained only those who could not get away and those who felt themselves fixtures there everything on the bank was for sale apparently tents blankets provisions horses mules dogs sleds snowshoes aluminum boats harness pickaxes shovels pans forges quicksilver and scales so rough notices at every door sill and tent flap told great tents served as hotels stores and storage warehouses a charge of five dollars a ton each month leaving these storage depositories banked full of overdue trunks and valises containing the civilized clothes of those gone on into the wilderness and of outfits for which there were no means to have carried over the trail with the owners at the time of the rush and no claimants later the reckless extravagance of the mad klondikers surpasses anything told of them even their cruelty to animals and outfits that cost hundreds of dollars were thrown away and left behind at glenora in the mad race for dawson or in the discomfited return toward civilization while thousands of dollars went to the bottom of the sakine through breaking ice overturned canoes 
flooded camps and caches there were at least four dogs to each inhabitant of glenora splendid shaggy animals that sported in the swift cold river and breasted its six-mile current in pursuit of sticks in sheer excess of strength and spirits nearly all of them had been over the teslin trail each one carrying a fifty-pound sack of flour on his back or dragging a three-hundred-pound sled-load over ice and snow worn to skin and bones by such long-continued exertions and hardships on scant food these dogs were then living in plenty at glenora and were evidently well cared for by kind owners to judge from the way they capered and jumped and barked around certain men who lounged along the one river-bank road but the tales one hears of the inhumane cruelties to animals inflicted along all the klondike trails would put a stain upon any gold that is ever brought out of the district it was a trail of blood from stikine city to glenora and i never want to see such sickening sights again one rough frontiersman summed it up ignorance greed and callousness were evenly combined in this inhuman work every kind of a dog was bought or stolen in the states and brought up in midwinter on the open steamer decks where the half-fed creatures were crowded together in sleet snow rain and bitter winds without shelter or drink tied in strings to the fences they were left to howl the nights out at fort wrangell and were in poor condition to pull the cruel loads when driven off over ice and snow to be beaten clubbed and kicked as long as they could stand in harness all animals were treated as cruelly horses and oxen brought to fort wrangell without food or drink on the way and left as uncared for on the river steamers until certain humane captains took the matter in hand broke into the bales of fodder that the owners were saving for use on the trail and under threats made those owners give water to the animals crying with thirst as the river ran beside them the owner of a flock of goats tied them to the fort wrangell wharf stringers at low tide and returned to find them all drowned by the usual eighteen-foot rise of water the crowds of wharf loafers having enjoyed the spectacle as their idea of a joke on the poor distracted goat herder who had put his every dollar into this klondike venture there was no movement of pack trains out over or in from the trail for the two days the ogilvy waited at glenora and a few incoming packers reported that the corduroying of the bogs between the succession of stony hills had been completed for some thirty miles nearly to the hudson's bay company's post and that the detachment of mounted police at lake teslin were rapidly putting up their buildings and laying out a permanent post the current is very swift between glenora and telegraph creek twelve miles above where the teslin trail strikes away to northward and as there was no freight to carry and no passengers to be called for we did not see that last outpost reached by the western union telegraph company's wires in eighteen sixty six when their surveys for a land line across siberia to europe were brought to an end by the success of the atlantic cable a distracted packer however visited the steamer to know for how much less than one dollar each mule the ogilvy would go to telegraph creek and ferry across seventy-five mules that he had successfully driven up from ashcroft on the fraser river but the purser could not figure out any profit for the steamer to undercut the local canoe ferry prices and the mule owner was the picture of despair 
above telegraph creek the great canyon of the stikine extends for fifty miles a deep gorge with terrific rapids and bends which cannot be traversed save on snowshoes and which by its inaccessibility is safe in the reputation it has of holding the wildest scenery of the stikine region the river rose five feet the second night in consequence of rains in the deese lake country floated the steamer across the little wharf to which it was tied and nearly carried away the lumber for the gold commissioner's house before the boat's watchman could arouse a salvage corps when we left glenora that morning it was a new sensation to fly past the banks so rapidly the engine only making play of the downstream journey we shot the little canyon in less than three minutes where we had struggled thirteen minutes on the way up the ogilvy drawn in with the sweep of the current under half steam and then with snorts and roars and wheezes of full steam under forced draught steering a mid-course through the eddies and dashing waves of that narrow chute the most exciting and dangerous piece of navigation in alaska the peaks and glaciers whirl past in their different rearrangements and in the earliest afternoon seven hours after leaving glenora we had accomplished the serpentine one hundred twenty-five miles and were fast at the fort wrangell wharf the ogilvy and all the boats of the line then receiving orders to abandon the stikine and alaska route the all-canadian and the klondike incident closed abruptly and this river of rivers this culmination and epitome of alaskan scenery this most magnificent stretch of peaks and glaciers along any watercourse of the continent may not again be accessible to easy pleasure travel as in the fitful season of eighteen ninety eight end of section two